0: The Affordable Care Act explicitly prohibits undocumented immigrants from obtaining Medicaid or Medicare coverage, or purchasing plans on state health insurance exchanges. Under President Trump, the Department of Health and Human Services has promised states greater flexibility in structuring their Medicaid programs, but whether that flexibility will apply to states looking to expand coverage for undocumented immigrants remains to be seen. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Taylor Kelly a clinical lecturer in internal medicine and fellow in the National Clinician Scholars Program at the University of Michigan. Dr. Kelly has co-authored a perspective article about state-based strategies for improving care for undocumented immigrants. Dr. Kelly, can you give us a sense of the scope of the issue? How many undocumented immigrants in the United States are uninsured, and what does that mean to their access to care?
1: Undocumented immigrants number about 11 million in the United States. That's been a number that's been pretty steady over a number of years a little less than half of that 11 million do not have health insurance. And to put that in perspective, if you were to compare undocumented immigrants to U.S. citizens, a little less than one in 10 U.S. citizens currently lacks health insurance and four in 10 undocumented immigrants lack insurance. And so not only is the number of undocumented immigrants non-trivial in the United States, but they represent an uninsured population that is four times the rate of U.S. citizens.
0: In your article, you talk about care for end-stage renal disease as one example of a state-based health policy solution for undocumented immigrants. So what other strategies have states used to try to improve care for this population?
1: I think that the first strategy that states will attempt or, or go to is perhaps the most logical, which is to provide coverage to those who don't have it. A number of states have used their own funds to provide coverage to uninsured, including undocumented immigrants, in meaningful ways. So one example would be California where in 2015 they passed legislation called the Health Care for All Kids Act and that allowed all children regardless of immigration status if they otherwise qualify for Medicaid to have coverage. Other states have done that as well and using California as an example states that they've also moved to provide coverage to adults by allowing them to purchase their own plans on state health exchanges that required permission from the federal government in the form of a waiver, but that waiver was withdrawn right before Donald Trump took office last year. I think states also will provide coverage through state funding as well as local funding in specific geographic areas, usually large metropolitan areas, where large concentrations of uninsured or undocumented individuals live. And so, again, using California's example, My Health LA and Healthy San Francisco are plans where if you live in those areas and you don't qualify for Medicare, you don't qualify for Medicaid, and you don't have private insurance, you may get coverage through these funding sources.
0: You mentioned Medicaid waivers. Last year, CMS approved waivers for Florida and Texas that increase funding for uncompensated care. So that was unexpected. Why was it and what do you think the results are going to be?
1: A, a great question. I think it was unexpected given the climate in place before the Trump administration came to office. During the Obama era, following the passage of the Affordable Care Act, the intent of the Obama administration was that every state would adopt Medicaid expansion as a means to reduce uninsurance across the country. Yet a number of states opted not to expand their Medicaid and some of those states, including Florida and Texas, had large numbers of uninsured people, and they had waivers from the federal government to allow for flexibility in Medicaid funding to provide care to those who are uninsured. And that was in the form of an uncompensated care pool. Interestingly, both Texas and Florida had waivers that were expiring. Those waivers last five years, and they have to be renewed. And what the Obama administration said was, look... We expected that states would be expanding Medicaid and if Florida or Texas had expanded Medicaid then the numbers of uninsured would have dropped dramatically and the need for this uncompensated care funding would not have been nearly as great. And so there was great hesitancy by the Obama administration to approve those waivers, understanding that the current legislation that was designed to move forward would likely reduce the need for those waivers. Donald Trump took office, then the pressure to expand Medicaid was gone. And states that had these pressures to get funding, uh, particularly for their safety net health systems, hospitals, were able to appeal to the Trump administration and receive the funding with very little effort.
0: You talk about hospital care. Do states have any options for expanding access to outpatient care for undocumented immigrants?
1: Yes, Over the last several years, there's been a trend in safety net hospital systems to take on the responsibility of the populations for which they serve in a more comprehensive and holistic way. That is in the form of accountable care organization arrangements and other similar programs. In doing that, they have recognized the need to reach others requires a continuum of care, both inpatient and outpatient. And so, safety net hospitals increasingly have larger ambulatory networks that are contained within their systems. This has been true in Texas in the Parkland system and true in health systems in states like New York and California. The other way that outpatient care is growing for this population is through federally qualified community health centers, which receive separate funding. And we've seen partnering between these community health centers and safety net hospital institutions to create that same continuum of care. And a good example of that would be Hennepin Health in Minnesota, where a community health center and a safety net hospital have come together to provide a smooth continuum of care so patients can flow from the inpatient setting to the outpatient setting setting to manage illness and prevent further complications and disease.
0: Are you concerned that the Trump administration could backtrack on its expansion of federal funding if it becomes clear that that funding is being used to care for undocumented immigrants?
1: You know, it's no secret that Donald Trump and much of the administration that he has built around him are anti-immigrant in almost every circumstance. But I think it's important to realize that unless we decide as a country that we're not willing to provide even emergency care to the uninsured, that there will always be care provided to uninsured people. And if care is always provided, then funding that care will be necessary to sustain the institutions who are providing it. It makes economic sense, and that is a compelling appeal, even and perhaps especially for a conservative cabinet such as the Trump administration.
0: Finally, what can individual physicians do to protect and improve care for their patients who are undocumented and perhaps for other undocumented immigrants in their communities?
1: The first thing I would say is for those who do provide care for low-income, uninsured individuals, undocumented immigrants, I certainly thank each one of them for the work that they do. These are people who have special needs and the care that they receive is very important for them individually and I think for us as a society collectively. I would say for those who practice in an individual health center, for them and their health centers, I would encourage them to seek partnerships with safety net hospital systems and institutions. As those partnerships are made, then uncompensated care funding that flows into those systems it becomes more effective as the care is connected and that allows providers to take better care of their patients and allows the health systems that are connected to manage both the funding that they receive and the health of their patients more effectively. For those who are seeing patients in safety net hospitals themselves, I think my advice would be to just be mindful of the patient in front of you and understanding that if those partnerships are not in place, if those networks are not there, that when a patient leaves the hospital, The services you might expect may not be there and that having the foresight to address needs inside the hospital as much as possible before those patients go home where the resources may not be available is invaluable for them. Thank you, Dr. Kelly.